Hello everyone and welcome to the first ever episode of The Global Game, a new soccer slash football podcast that will delve into everything around this incredible sport. In response to the current global situation, myself, Sean D, alongside my co-host Pablo H, were inspired to create a soccer podcast that will focus on not only the sports response to the pandemic, but on its international aspect and the global connection it creates. In the coming months, we'll be discussing matches and standings from leagues all around the world, discussing the varied responses to the pandemic, debating who the best players currently are, reacting to past games, and predicting what's to come. We hope you, we hope you join us on this adventure, as there's a lot more to come your way, and we can't wait to get started. So, how, how have you been with the pandemic, Pablo? I've been all good, you know, enjoying enjoying soccer now that it's finally back you know it's just been good to be able to watch everything again and see that things are getting back to normal yeah so we've been at unprecedented times especially within the sport as in the span of a couple days in march everything closed yeah it was it was crazy man just i remember happened within like two days when Stadiums were being filled up, like sixty thousand fans. Like champ, uh, there was the Champions League qualifiers that day on Wednesday, March eleventh, and then we all saw that um, Liverpool Atletico game when um, Anfield filled up their stadium. Like I don't know, fifty five thousand fans, and then the next day, whole whole um, season was postponed. All the leagues were um, postponed then just all happened so quick yeah so i remember well overall before we go into details i'd like to introduce the fact that our podcast will be not only descriptive and a discussion and debate between the two of us but it'll also be informative giving insight to everything to do within the soccer world to those that are unfamiliar with the sport or familiar it's really the place to be yeah so as we already addressed, the coronavirus pandemic really changed regular life as countries were fighting to contain the spread of the disease. And of course, professional sports were naturally hit hard. So with, every, with virtually every league title, European qualification for the UEFA Champions League and Europa League and relegation promotion battles yet to be decided. Even though all leagues closed, everyone is really committed to reopening. But before we touch into reopening we should address exactly what happened with the closures so Pablo already briefly touched on the Champions League Europa League situation but even starting in February matches in the Champions League and Europa League were actually held behind closed doors so fans already weren't allowed so we were actually given a taste of what would be the future situation and on March 12th of this year, UEFA announced that the elite qualification round of men and women's under-17 and under-19 youth international tournaments had been postponed. So that was before any actual professional sports were postponed. They already announced that um, the under-17 and under-19 youth international tournaments would be postponed. But actually, the following day, they postponed all fixtures for the following week in the Champions League, Europa League, and Youth League, which was including Barca, Napoli, Bayern, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Manchester City, among other big games. And what was it? And they actually didn't reopen until, what was it? It was mid-August already. Yeah. 
And what, 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 what do you recall? What were your initial thoughts when this all happened? I don't know. I was in shock because at first it wasn't all, all um, leagues that were doing games in back in February. It wasn't all leagues doing games without fans. It was just certain countries where were slightly that we thought were slightly affected by the pandemic decided to um, not let any of the fans in. And at first I just thought, okay, like France um, was just going to be maybe like the only country where the rest of the season would be held behind closed doors, France, Spain, and Italy because of, of, of COVID. But then in the next like two weeks, it everywhere cases went up and then, it all just then it, maybe one week where there were no fans, and then the next week everything was um, was just supposed to get canceled. Yeah. So seeing as we're discussing the global game, I think we should actually take a look together what happened all around the world, not just in the Champions League. So already, as according to our research and just our experience. The European leagues were actually impacted by February. And Serie A was actually postponed on the 9th of March, while La Liga postponed um, their leagues on the 12th of March for only two weeks initially because of a Real Madrid basketball player testing positive for the virus, which resulted in Real Madrid's footballers being put in quarantine. So the era of the VC, the Dutch league, was also suspended initially for two weeks. And Liga and Bundesliga followed suit afterwards. And Bundesliga was actually the first team to come back, which we'll talk about later. But on the 10th of March, the Premier League match between Manchester City and Arsenal, which was due to be played the next day, was initially postponed after a number of Arsenal players made close contact with Olympiacos owner, who they actually played in the Europa League two weeks earlier. So that, along with the fact that Arsenal manager Mikel Arteta and a few players, including Callum Hudson-Odoi, tested positive, which prompted the leaks to actually suspend until early April, which ended up being a much longer suspension. So by the 19th of March, among all FIFA, all 55 UEFA members, the Belarusian Premier League was the only league that was still operational and wasn't postponed which is actually crazy to think about, that we had football all along and no one actually paid attention to it. Yeah. So Asia, the China obviously was the country that was first hit by COVID. So the 2020 Chinese Super League was postponed. In Hong Kong, the 2020 Lunar New Year Cup was canceled, not outright canceled on the 23rd of January, not even postponed. And South Korean's K-League and Japan's J-1 League were initially canceled too. And the AFC Champions League, so the Asian version of the Champions League, postponed uh, a number of their group stage and playoff matches. Uh, in India, the remaining I-League matches were postponed, while the Indian Super League finals played behind closed doors. And that is pretty much encapsulates Asia. So North America, which we're all very familiar to due to us being currently there. Uh, the CONCACAF Champions League was suspended with immediate effect on the 12th of March, while the Major League Soccer followed suit and suspended their league for 30 days. And the National Women's Soccer League canceled their entire season, while 
the Canadian Premier League announced the postponement of their season, which was due to start the 11th of April, but obviously couldn't happen. And in South America, um, Comnebol announced that the Copa Libertadores would be temporarily suspended, and all top-tier football in Brazil was suspended. So overall, everything pretty much was suspended for a couple months. So what did you do with no soccer? It was crazy, man. It was like everyone, that's what everyone, all week, everyone's just waiting for the weekend to watch football. And then when everything stopped, it was just like, no one really knew what to do. Everyone was just following up on their team, making sure none of their players were getting sick or anything. And then I think it was, uh, the only thing you could really do is wait and, um, and, and look at what the government was saying or what the head of the league were saying about the league returning because no one really knew. Everyone thought maybe it'll be like, I don't know, a month, two months, but it ended up being, what, close to four, I think? Yeah. So, yeah, it was it was a lot. And then... I mean, you, watch, you watch way more than me. I usually just follow, like, stats and games after, but you actually watch everything live. So, with that much more free time now that you couldn't watch soccer what you end up doing well i i know you told me a bit that you did this a bit too but you ended up watching some of the old games yeah they're streaming anyway you know some of the um 2010 world cup games 2014 you know brought back some good memories but i think i watched 15 old barca games from their glory days yeah I don't know. It, it was also interesting because a lot of TV channels were just playing game, uh, games from the past, you know, seeing like how, how the game has changed as well over the course of the years. You know, how yeah, I remember being sports had like 24-7 international friendlies. It was yeah. actually great to see those because usually you don't really pay attention to the friendlies. But. Yeah, especially some of those random games like World Cup group stage games or something because this, and some of them, like when it's the World Cup, you usually just watch um, the best game that's on and sometimes they're being played at the same time and then you miss some of the other games. So it was kind of cool that, like, I don't know, I was watching some random games that <laughs> I would never even think of watching. Yeah. But you actually play on a soccer team and all that. So what happened to your team? Did you cancel everything in March too, the professionals? Yeah, it was crazy because we were in Boston on a showcase for March break. And we played all our games. So we played against three three university teams there. And then literally when we got back... um, we had one practice and then that's when the government right after our practice, the government made the call, everything was closed. And the next week we were supposed to go to Ohio and then all of that got canceled. All of, all of our, we had like a couple more trips. All of them got canceled. Fields were closed. So we went to zoom classes. So I obviously, I don't know, lots of us, I don't know, working on Zoom school or actually, yeah, doing a course, university courses. And, you know, it was 
it's just not the same man doing doing it online than being in person so you know maybe i got better tactically through the zoom sessions but i don't know it's a bit it's a bit harder for the coaches and teachers to teach through um through the screen and yeah but th- through zoom did you did you practice the actual game with a ball or was it just like physical training stay in shape it was we had three times a week was um we would look back at our games review tactics some of us would have to do presentations on position specific things and then four times a week we would have actual fitness usually be an hour and it would be not much with the ball mostly just um you know yeah make sure we're staying fit and you know we were told to you know what we're doing on the ball um you know do it um regarding what position you play so position specific we were given all position specific drills and you know they asked us to do that on our own time yes yeah i'm sure the pandemic especially affected those who especially the younger children around the world who just got into playing the sport and now it's such a long period in which they couldn't sure that had an effect not only on their their game but their their health overall yeah and their motivations too like like i know some some kids who go love used to love playing soccer all the time some little kids and then they go six months without playing and then they're like oh maybe i like playing video games more or something yeah because playing after school or playing with your friends during lunch or after school or during the weekend is such a, a great experience for all types of children, including us. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we just can't do that at all anymore. So that was a big adjustment to make. Yeah. 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 But luckily, we are only, what, a month into quarantine in which we had no soccer and there was already talk about soccer returning. Initially, did you, did you think we were going to get soccer back? Yeah, because I I really I thought I I thought we, it would be quick to come back with no fans, but it ended up taking much longer than I would have thought. Yeah, because you had to get cleared off by the health ministers of every country, and I know the Bundesliga had to get Angela Merkel's approval just to start again. But really, I actually didn't think it'd come back. I was kind of like looking at it both ways. I was so happy to see football again. But I was just scared that future seasons would be completely affected because if, if soccer started back up in June, the leagues will be done in August, which actually ended up happening. But yeah. we're, I didn't think the leagues would be able to start again in September, so there'd be a huge knock-on effect. Yeah, I know. It was. It's it's good that they got it that they were able to get it done on time, and now that the new ones are starting because. Yeah, it could have changed everything. Like, it would have been really hard to bring the seasons back to normal if they weren't, if they didn't um, make all the adjustments they did. You know, being able to start start the seasons quickly with um, with no fans and following all the safety precautions. But it's such a financial commitment. I think that's what really motivated every league to start because I know the Premier League had one. Point two five billion dollars on the line if they were to cancel because of the TV deals, which yeah. was 
the, at least especially the the lower league teams they really they make the bulk of their pro a bulk of their revenues actually from the television deals for the Premier League. So had there not been any football, it would have been horrible for teams all around England. I know that Wigan Athletic actually went into administration. Yeah, they did because of that. But at the end of the day, most of the leagues restarted. So if we go over what leagues restarted, we got the the Premier League started again back in what was it? It was in excuse me. It was a June seventeenth. They actually started again. Where do you remember? It was Aston Villa Sheffield. Yeah. No, no draws with the VAR drama. I oh, know the goal line technology. Yeah, yeah, goal line technology. But then Man City Arsenal was a great game. But actually, the Bundesliga was the first league to come back. We should have actually said first, and they came back May fifteenth, which was a huge revelation. And they actually, they were an example for everyone, because not only did, were they the first to start, it actually was almost flawless the way they addressed it, the, the safety and health protocols, and every game was played, no cases, no, well, not nothing that I've heard of. Every game went flawlessly, and the season ended up finishing, especially as. The Envision, which was a great yeah, example to everyone else. Yeah, you need to give the Bundesliga credit and all the, you know, people running the league, all the clubs who who agreed to restarting because uh, not that many people are realizing that if the Bundesliga didn't start, I, many of the other leagues would have taken much longer to restart. Everyone just saw it was working well in the Bundesliga. I don't know, Bundesliga started maybe a month before the other leagues. And then everyone everyone waited Bundesliga out. They kind of used it as their guide, saw that it worked well. And then that's what allowed, like, I don't know, almost every other um, league to continue. Yeah, credit is for sure due to the Bundesliga, but also to, I think, to Germany as a whole because... Maybe other leagues would have wanted to start earlier, but the situation in their countries didn't allow it. Because especially yeah. Spain and Italy and the UK were hit especially hard mm-hmm. in March, April. So they really, it was really not a good decision to have football up and coming again with people moving around. Because unlike in Canada, people in the uh, Spain and Italy and France, they really actually couldn't leave their house without a valid reason to do so. So it'd yeah. be kind of hypocritical for these soccer players to just move around every stadium. But I know that the Premier League, when they formally announced their date to come back, the June 12th, as Project Restart, there were actually a lot of protests by some players. I remember N'Golo Kante did not want to come to training out of fear. Yeah. Danny Rose even was protesting about the league even starting, not even himself playing, just in general. Yeah, so there was obvious there was obviously a very different point of views towards the league restarting. But as as spectators, we were obviously very happy. But do you think, as a player, when when you started back again, obviously you haven't played any real games yet. But were you spect- skeptical at all? Um, maybe I was a bit um, 
skeptical when it, when we first started because I, I wasn't so sure like how it would work, you know, how they would make sure we're all, um, you know, healthy, like how they would test us. And, but after the first like week or so, you know, we started off with no contact. And I think that's what many of the professional teams did um, prior to the league starting all their, all their training sessions were in small groups. So that's what we had too. We had small groups of nine, 10 players. All of us had to, it was a, just a regular training session, but we all had to stay two meters apart. So I think it actually ended up working well. And that's what I think it was too for the pros, because I know, I know in Germany, they took maybe two months off and then got straight into training in, in like groups of four, I think. So very small quantities. And then they slowly got into more numbers and then finally until they got the full team in the training and then that kept working and then you know it it ended up working fine yeah so while while germany and the bundesliga were the first european leagues to actually formally start if we take a look at the list turkmenistan was actually the first country to bring back their league in which their league came back april 19th followed by south korea the return of the 2020 K-League on May 8th, followed by the Bundesliga on May 15th, the Estonian League on May 19th, the Costa Rican League on May 20th, the 2019-20 Primus League, which was held in Burundi, came back May 21st with with fans. So fans were allowed, but they had to set on handspray and disinfectant as they came to the stadium. The Czech First League began on the 23rd of May, the Hungarian League the 23rd of May as well, the Danish Super League on the 28th, the second German League, the Frauen Bundesliga, which actually is a women's league, came back May 29th, two weeks after the Bundesliga. The Polish League also returned the 29th, the Israeli League May 30th, followed by the Serbian and Ukrainian League on the 30th of May as well. In June, the Montenegro League came back, Austria, Croatia, Portugal, Kazakhstan, Slovenia, Vietnam, Bulgaria, and Greece all came back between June 1st and June 6th. So you could see a majority of a majority of leagues starting back again. The Greek League began June 6th. La Liga, Spanish League, June 11th. The Super League in Turkey, June 12th. The Romanian League on June 13th. Slovakia, June 13th. Swedish League, June 14th. The Norwegian League, June 16th. The Premier League on June 9th, 17th. Persian Golf Pro League in Iran on the 18th, the Russian and Swiss Leagues on the 19th, Syria on the 20th, then the Finnish League on July 1st, Iraqi League July 3rd, the J1 League in Japan on the 4th, the Paraguayan Premier Division on the 17th of July, the Qatari League on the on the 24th of July, and the Chinese Super League was the last league to come back on the 25th. So as you could as we could see, a majority of leagues actually came back especially in countries that were really hard hit by the virus, such as Russia, uh, Germany, Italy, Spain. So that was actually really surprising. It really goes to show you the high demand there is for soccer because they're football. Because I bet you, like um, like any other sport, you know, let's say like basketball in China or basketball in South America, you know, it's not as global and not in such high demand as soccer is 
all throughout the world that's like you stated it reopen and what one at least one league in every single continent which is which is crazy to think about well for sure after all soccer is a global game is sport played by the most amount of people around the world and yeah it's really loved by everyone so it was such a we're actually so lucky to actually see the return of football this season not only in the main leagues in Europe, but actually all over the world. So we had so much variety to watch after such a long period. But obviously, not every league came back. So, for instance, the Algerian, Argentinian, Angolan, Belgium, Cameroon, Cyprus, uh, Ligue 1, France, Guatemala, India, Jamaica, Kenya, Lebanon, Mexico, Netherlands. A lot of main leagues actually didn't actually reopen, contrarily to what other leagues did. So what it, what what was your initial reaction when the Liga or the Liga MX or Eredivisie said that they weren't going to restart? I, I was in shock because I was just seeing all these other leagues restart and then all of a sudden you see Liga, which is, I would say, top five, top six league in the world say, we're done for the year. So that, obviously it's it's very hard to say that um, to cancel a league altogether because you you have a whole whole group of people um, who who might not agree with that decision, especially I would say those in the second division in France because Ligue 1 and Eredivisie and another um, in Netherlands both did a no promotion no relegation system. So I know, especially in France, actually Liga wanted to come back, and their initial plan was to come back on June seventeenth. But then all of a sudden, the French Prime Minister Edouard Philippe actually announced that there will be no sports at all in the country until September. So that came as a shock. So that actually wasn't in the team's control, and in the league's control. Pardon me, contrary to the Eredivisie, which was the league announcing that they didn't want to reopen. And when they awarded Ajax the championship, yeah, that that's a big time decision too. Giving it to um, crowning someone the uh, the champion because, um, you know, the team in second might complain, but I think Ajax was like thirteen points ahead or something. But yeah, and obviously PSG was miles yeah. ahead, like PSG they are every my, year. But PSG I know there was ahead. a big scandal. In Ligue 2, that yeah. was also canceled because uh, when when the league was canceled, obviously the top three teams are promoted and the bottom three teams were relegated. But in Ligue 2, five teams were within four points of each other. So yeah, all five of them had a real chance of getting promoted. So yeah, it's like how how would you feel if this happened in England and you were Leeds? You had this season of your life, first time back. You could be in the prem first time for the first for the first time in sixteen years, and then th- there's a no promotion system. So, you know, it's it was a it's a hard decision. Yeah, and what did you think when when um, back then there was a debate of whether or not the Premier League should return? People were actually saying that they should cancel the season outright and actually not award Liverpool the championship. Yeah. All the Liverpool fans were, were getting nervous. 
Did you think that if, if the Premier League never came back, would you still have given Liverpool the championship? Yeah, I wouldn't have. Because I, they, they really, they had all the momentum, I think, and they, they were like, um, they were, they were miles ahead of City as well. So I don't see anyone else who could have, who, who would have even contested. Yeah, but a lot of, would you a lot of I, I would have also given it to them. They were twenty three, I believe, points ahead. They beat City three 0 in their own backyard. Yeah. They, they they really deserved the title this season, but I don't know what I would have done had it been earlier rather than March. They would have definitely, I think, continued or outright canceled the season because if you think about it, if they canceled the season, we would have had the league table would have been a lot different than what it was at the end of the season in the prem. You would have had Leicester in the Champions League. Yeah. Very different. Sheffield United. <laughs> yeah, but looking forward. I think they were fifth or Europa League spot at least. Looking forward, as we have already previously sort of touched on, leagues are actually having a very short summer vacation and coming back the 12th of September as early as that. What do you think about that? I think it it was the right decision to to make to make the summer break quick just because like we talked about before you can't just um we need to get back onto our normal schedule that we had prior to the pandemic which was seasons starting um late August early September. So I think it's good that we that things are returning on back to normal and I also think that the I know the Premier League are continuing their um, water breaks in between uh, like in uh, once in between each half, so that is obviously good. Um, like just in terms of player uh, players um, safety, I guess making sure um, you know off such a short break. More subs is obviously um, giving teams, giving some teams with a with a good depth like City and Bayern a bit of an advantage. But but I think it's a it was it's a good decision overall to have like just small things being put in place just to make up for that short summer break. Yeah, you took the question out of my mouth. I was getting, my next question was what rules that they that they added. Um, to leagues at the end of last season because the current situation, would you actually keep so would you actually keep this water break permanently sort of like a half time? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so because soccer it, it's not we're not used for, for it to just randomly stop, it's soccer is, everyone loves it for its fluidity, you know, 45 minutes straight, and it kind of kills the momentum a bit and also, I'm sure we all saw that coaches are just kind of just using them as like a halftime, giving all their players advice, which I, I guess is good for for both teams. But like I said before, I like the fluidity of just having 45 minutes straight. While they were, while I found them actually very beneficial, at least for the players, 
back last season. I think they shouldn't keep them, but maybe in some, like they do during the World Cup sometimes, depending on the climate, they should actually yeah. keep them. Because yeah. when it's too hot, the players, you can already see they're tired after 30 minutes and the game ends up being a lot worse than it could have been had there been a, a water break. Yeah, yeah, I just remember that. That was one of the main reasons because not so much the players' um, like health of like being out for so long and then going straight back into 90-minute games, but it was also because none of them are used to playing um, in the summer because season doesn't run through the summer usually. Yeah. So the next rule, the next prominent rule change was the five substitutions. So what were your thoughts on it for last season and would you keep it for next season? Well, I'm a Bayern fan, so I would obviously keep it because of how much depth there is in the squad. But for uh, just to be fair, I would probably take it away back to three because even City had was at a huge advantage with those subs considering how much depth they have, they have on their um, team. So I really, I really think it benefits some teams way more than others. So to, I would probably take it out. You? I mean, I think it depends. Do, do you think the players actually liked it? It gave maybe role players more of a chance to play? Youngsters? Yeah, that's true. We did see it with, like, with um, Manu or... Even City, too. Phil Foden, first couple of games, he wasn't starting. Came off the bench, high impact. And then, look, finished the rest of the EPL season starting for City. Yeah, now... Who who knows if he would have been there if those five subs weren't available for him to show. Yeah, so I think that was... back, Back then, it was actually a very good rule that they implemented, in my opinion. Yeah. But like you said, I don't think they should keep it. Mm-hmm. I don't think the players or coaches like it either. I think it disrupts their game plan too much. Yeah. So, well, that just about wraps up our first ever edition of the Global Game. So, thank yeah. you very much, everyone, for tuning in. We have a lot still to come, especially... Next season predictions, last season reactions, transfers, and just about everything to do with the world. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you next episode. Yep, see you.